0: Hello and welcome. This is the Bits versus Byte podcast. I'm your host, I'm and today with me is uh, Christina Chaplin. She is uh, head of innovation and data at Talmundo. Welcome, Christina.:
1: Thank you, welcome. Yeah.
0: Um, of course, I would like to know a little bit about you, so could you tell me a little bit about your background and also how you got to start at uh, Talmundo?
1: Yeah, sure, so um, uh, my background is um, very much seated in HR, but not as an HR practitioner. I've always worked as marketing communications or product related roles in the HR space. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, over 15 years of experience um, speaking to HR people about a whole lot of different products and services in many <laughs> different ways is <laughs> I guess the easiest way to put it. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, and you uh, started at Mundo as kind of head of marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, h- h- What what spoke to you about Talmundo in, in particular?
1: Well, Talmundo was very interesting. Um, I had been uh, working um, previously on uh, more recruitment-related things, and then I moved into more of a learning and development space. And Talmundo had brought an opportunity. I actually met um, Stein, our CEO, at an HR conference. Ah. Um, this would have been, oh, God, I want to say about eight years ago uh, okay. now. And uh, he was actually trans- Transitioning Between Roles. Um, we had a great conversation. We had a great click um, we were, while we were there. Um, um, and he and I kept in, in touch. He would check in with me on LinkedIn every year or so saying, hey, what are you doing? What's mm. going on? You know, um, uh, how how's life? Um, and it so just happened. Sometimes stars just align. And at one of the times that he checked in, I was really thinking about what sort of my next step was um, in my career and looking for a new project um, Um, and so he uh, said hey well I've just uh, put together this new company Um, uh, we it was actually originally Talmundo was doing focused more on e-learning and Ah, uh, um, uh, games specifically e-learning type games Mm -hmm. um, in the HR space Um, and he was really looking for someone to come on and help him build a brand and build a brand strategy and and really give some direction to you know uh, what was Talmundo going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was back in uh, 2014. Um, and uh, yeah, we had some great conversations. And it seemed like we had uh, a similar idea as to some impacts and some things missing in the HR space. Okay. Even though it wasn't 100% clear, actually, that onboarding was going to be where Talmundo ended yeah. up but yeah uh, yeah. he had some great ideas (laughs) so
0: you had the pivot right so you had the pivot from uh, that that kind of as you called it uh, that kind of e-learning thing to mm-hmm. uh, to onboarding uh, where did that pivot came from?
1: Well, Talmundo at the time had um, a, a few different products that we were working with I said we had uh, some e-learning uh, games. we also had uh, a couple of other applications for different HR processes but it came very cl- became very clear in in around two thousand and fourteen that onboarding as an HR process was a very overlooked part of HR. Um, HR had spent a lot of time um, uh, building up the recruitment side. So things like employer brand, ATS softwares, all of that sort of recruitment um, uh, process was getting a lot of attention. Yep. Um, but then you were also seeing a lot of software players in performance management and LMS, so all of the learning and development side. So. There was quite a lot of, of HR where um, uh, software art existed. There were big players, smaller players, pretty busy. But interestingly enough, you have this one HR process in between recruitment and when someone is considered you know, a, a fully productive onboarded yeah. employee, this onboarding process. Um, and interestingly enough, while there were some of those big software players in the uh, co- core HR area had let's say, modules or add-ons that played lip service a little bit to the fact that this is a process that existed. It wasn't something that was seen as strategic as Mm. part of uh, the employee lifecycle. And so it was very clear... There could be a lot uh, done in that space um, and it wasn't really getting attention that it deserved but it was a very very uh, important part of the employee life cycle because it, it has a big impact on employees
0: yeah and, and it makes sense when i look at it so uh, if you're doing multiple stuff it's it's good to see like okay this is maybe the area that we should focus on and just pick that one and just go for it Uh, for a full 100%, right? Exactly. That's the thing. Uh, So uh, if you need to describe to someone what Talmundo does, can you describe that for for the listeners?
1: Sure. So Talmundo is a a SaaS company. We um, have software specifically for, as I said, onboarding uh, employees to an organization. The idea is to come from a more culture-driven perspective. So um, the existing software at the time was very much focused On task completion, compliance: Do these people have their tax forms filled out? Do they have uh, a contract signed? You know, are there NDAs? Are there have has their laptop been ordered? You know, it's it's very much about um, uh, a checklist. checklist, Exactly. (laughs) Um, So, um, but we said, look, that is really actually only one small piece of Mm. what onboarding really is. If you really think of it from a person perspective. it's really more about the experience and understanding what do I need to be successful? How, what is this company that I've just agreed to join? You know, What is their culture? What are their values? Mm-hmm. Um, which, of course, is visited and looked at to some degree during the recruitment process, yeah. but really... Seeding it into that person, like allowing them to become part of that family, so to speak, that they've decided to join yeah. and really understand it. And get now that they've agreed to become part, you can give them often a deeper look. Mm. Um, you know, they're almost on the inside, even if they're not technically on the inside until they show up on their first day. But uh, giving them a chance to really um, uh, give them at the time they need the information that they need yeah. um, and giving it to them in smaller bits and pieces so our software is as i said uh, it's a platform that allows companies to build that experience build that onboarding journey um, and uh, uh, deliver it to onboardees both before they start on the first day which i think is another important uh yeah. difference um as well as through what we recommend at least the first 90 days on the job yeah
0: so w- what what does that what does a typical client look like in, in european so when you look at the uh usually it's the bigger companies that are doing this because they have a lot of uh, people that come in and uh, they uh, a lot of new people join mm-hmm. uh what kind of companies do you do you see uh, working with your software?
1: Yeah, so certainly larger companies are ones that are dealing with higher um, uh, new employee volumes. Yeah. So, of course, they tend to have more um, standardized or more procedure around onboarding. But to be perfectly honest, onboarding is actually something that happens even in a company of two people. Yeah, sure, <laughs> as yeah. soon as you hire your first employee, you are doing onboarding when that person joins. That's
0: really informal in that Of part. course, yeah. of
1: course. And, that, and as you were sort of uh, um, uh, implying, larger corporations are the ones that, because of those volumes, they really need to have software and more procedure in place to help them do that. What they often struggle with, though, is that it can often still be a manual process, um, and that can actually lead to a lot of inconsistencies. So indeed, most of our clients are large multinationals. You can be looking at uh, companies like Deloitte, ABN Amro, Lidl supermarkets. Um, You know, they're dealing with. Tens of thousands of employees yeah, sure. um, usually. But that being said, we do have um, some customers that are more medium-sized companies. Um, even if we look at ourselves, um, obviously we use our own software. To, eat your own to dog own. food. Yeah, we do, we do eat, yeah. our own, uh, <laughs> eat our own food, so to speak. Um, so, um, yeah, even smaller companies, it is something that they often struggle with. Yeah. And it all depends on... on sort of what the different um uh structures internally for the organization are is there everyone regardless of how big it is will will hit a point at maybe I don't know, 25, 30 employees even where you struggle with who owns this, who needs to be doing what Um, and even before that um, to be perfectly honest but yeah, it doesn't really become economically uh, or let's say financially um, um, uh, reasonable to invest in software until you're probably hiring about 50 people a year let's say as a minimum
0: volume Yeah and uh, as you said the kind of tipping point in in most companies is like like that 20 25 range when you're i always call it like you're going from a small club uh to yes. to like a real company <laughs> in that sense yeah uh, that, that's that's kind of the tipping point so yeah. that that onboarding process for a lot of clients is that uh, usually a fixed time period or how does that work so do they uh all have like different time periods how does it work so like is it like as you said 90 days or is it sometimes even <sighs> six months does that differ a lot
1: um, it, there are differences. I mean, certainly we can we can say after having done this um, uh, for five years now, and and with um, you know over a hundred large organizations, that there are definitely some best practices. There are yeah. things that we um, would recommend, but it does depend on every specific organization, and that is very much you know the reason why our platform. When I say it's it's almost more of a delivery platform that helps you build a consistent journey, but allows you the flexibility to build it around what your organization needs. Because we recognize that, you know, um, in some cases, uh, you might have other systems and other things in place where people, the usage of, of, of our software might drop off faster. Um, because you have other things really you know uh, other tools put in place that helps them along their journey um, once they've joined but generally speaking once someone signs their contract so once they've accepted their job you really need to get them into something else Yeah. because actually the biggest gap um, that we find with organizations was between when someone accepted a job offer and when they actually started so what's often referred to as a pre-boarding
0: period yeah you don't hear anything from a company (laughs) usually and that's usually the problem is
1: that someone is you know if you think about your 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 job candidate has gone through this recruitment process. They've had probably a very active uh, uh, um, yeah. communication with your organization. And then they say, yes, let's do this. Let's work together. And then all of a sudden, boof. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> total radio silence. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that can be... And that can be Depending on how long it is, because we definitely see there's some organizations where that might be months. Um, um, It depends on whether it's, there can be different reasons for that. It can be more senior hires that have notice periods that are two, three. I don't know, maybe even six months if you get up high yeah. enough in.
0: Usually it's like two months at least when it's yeah. longer. Uh, but
1: you also see it in lower, um, uh, uh, sort of lower job positions. So uh, recent college graduates, they're often, you know, uh, big employers will go out and do university job fairs and things yeah. like this. And they might actually be recruiting people who are still in their studies and won't actually be joining for another three, four, five, six months, depending. Yeah. That's actually something that you see um, a lot in, in specific industries. Um, yeah. So bridging that gap and keeping someone engaged with your organization, with your employer brand, keeping them excited about the job that they've agreed to start is really important as well. Because um, again, there are some of those employers that If they're already in that, what everyone always calls that war for talent, for the best and the brightest, and they've put a lot of um, energy, effort, and investment into recruiting these people, the best of the best out there, and then you lose them in that two-month period for whatever reason, because if they are truly the best of the best, then there will probably be someone else who comes knocking on their door too. (laughs) (laughs) And it does happen more than I think people really think. So
0: Yeah, so the the, the pre-boarding is interesting to me because Mm. that, uh, as you mentioned, that's an interesting period for someone that's starting at the job. So uh, what are some of the things that you've seen in companies that really work in that pre-boarding process? So what are some of the things that they do that that really works?
1: Yeah, so um, one of the examples that I can think Go very concretely as we work with KPMG who um, is a perfect example management consulting is a perfect example of a, of a industry that does a lot of uh, university recruitment and has that big gap you know the the three to six months say from someone saying, Accepted job offer to starting, yeah. um, and they've they've um, and this is the exciting thing when we start talking about data a little bit. Um, we can really see since we started working with KPMG back in 2014, um, and and uh, five years later, the difference in that attrition rate mm-hmm. between them focusing on you know uh, having consistent and constant contact with those recent graduate hires that they've made over the course of the spring, who generally join the firm um, uh, in the fall, actually, as a cohort. So there's sort of Coming in is this, uh, uh, you know, this class. <laughs> 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 They've graduated school and they come in as a new class um, yeah. for their first job. But having the opportunity to stay in touch with them means that they're most, they're least, less likely to lose them to a competitor, which mm. happens a lot. <laughs> um, uh, again, with that 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 cohort of the best and the brightest. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, we 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 five years later, we can actually consistently say this. Is a case where we have seen where there that attrition rate has significantly dropped. Yeah. Um. Just just because they say you know every every couple of weeks over the course of those months here's something new. Ah. We're excited that you're going to be joining. This is what it means to be part of the KPMG family. This is what it means. You know. So so again, it's 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 just constant. Touch points. It doesn't mean that you have to say all of the training needs to happen before they even show no, up. No. The other thing that we often see is that a lot of these companies, they have um, uh, traditionally they were using this sort of welcome week or welcome day. Um, another one of our clients, uh, Deloitte, interestingly enough, same industry. exactly. Yeah. But they, they, they had a very um, interesting comment that before they started using Talmundo as, as an onboarding platform for structuring uh, all of that content delivery in and, and uh pre-boarding training and, and and engagement um that that first week was often referred to internally as death by powerpoint
0: oh, oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah
1: new new hires would show up and they would be put into you know a, a few days of just presentation after presentation again they're sitting as a cohort a class incoming class coming in recent graduates and they're saying you know let's have a presentation from our president a presentation from yeah. you know this head of this business unit this head of that business unit all of these different areas and it's just at some point you just can't
0: yeah it's information overload in yeah you can't yeah. take
1: it in anymore yeah. um so uh, the platform really has that focus on saying look we understand that let's sort of drip feed it to people especially if you have the luxury, let's say, of having three to four months Mm. that you can give it to them little by little, give them in the bite-sized content pieces, that micro content that they can actually absorb.
0: Mm. And
1: that you, by the time they show up, they probably actually already feel like part of the firm. And that's, huge um, and affects all sorts of direct KPIs um, that HR is often super focused on, engagement, retention, time to productivity. Yeah. So again.
0: Yeah, that that, that, that makes sense. The, the only thing I'm thinking about right now is like, okay, say for instance, you have that period of three, four months, right? Then mm-hmm. you have accepted the job offer, you're getting all these this information and you're like, maybe this is actually not the company I want to work at. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I mean, I'm sure, obviously, our hope would be yeah, that, a, that, the, that it doesn't happen. Yeah, of but um, our hope would be is that it's probably better if someone figures that out for some reason. Yeah, Let's that say sense. that they haven't even showed up, and they realize that two months into that, three months before they're supposed to start, that maybe this isn't the right decision for them. Yeah. They even have the opportunity. And so... Yeah.
0: Yeah, of course it's it's not the <laughs> it's not the thing you want to want to achieve, of course. It's more like you, you want to you want to kind of bring them in before they even got in the door, right? Sure. Uh, but fail
1: fast, fail early. Yeah. I mean, even with yeah. your people, if you really if you really it's have to thing. it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, so.
0: it's a good thing. I mean, yeah. it's better to have it there than after a year of <laughs> of working at a company, right? Indeed. Uh, Indeed. I mean, uh, I've I've switched jobs a few times. So I I've seen Kind of the differences between those onboarding processes. And Mm. uh, it differs a lot. For example, the first company I worked at was like maybe... When I got in, it was like maybe 15 or 20 people, something like that. And we grew to like 30 or 40, something like that. And then I went to a company that had 200 people. And then you see the kind of differences in those kind of things. You you see the kind of uh, nuances, right? So, Mm. uh, for example, I don't know, two weeks before I started, you get like a flower at home, right? It's it's, it's a really... Uh, kind of cliche thing (laughs) when you think about it, but it it gives kind of a sense of welcoming in that sense.
1: And I think a lot of people, you know, I mean, they maybe certain people or or certain company cultures might go, oh, you know, that feels cliche or that feels kind of corny. Like, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't do that. But, you know, at the end of the day, like you do have to remember that we're not a set of checklists. We're people and fundamentally all of your employees is a person that's coming to join. It's usually a pretty, it's an exciting, but it's also a very nerve wracking Mm. um, time for someone. There's a lot of insecurity um, that can go around uh, transitioning into a new job. Certainly joining a new company, even if you're not joining a new company. I mean, that's even another area that we see some of our customers using it in that change management when someone's transitioning from one role to another. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes um, sense. Uh, myself is sort of a, a perfect yeah, example yeah, of someone exactly. who might do that, where you, if, if you are making sort of a, a, a maybe less so in in vertical shifts, so promotions, when you're sort of staying within the same function, you're just moving up the corporate ladder, so to speak, um, that Maybe that's not as much, but there you see more and more on the job market people starting to make lateral shifts. Mm. You know, pivoting in something their careers, totally doing different. something completely different. And yeah. if they if they do work for an organization, a large organization that has the ability and the willingness to move them quite drastically um, uh, uh, between different kinds of roles, different um, um, then there's quite a lot of change management that that needs to go uh, into that in order for them to to be successful and and. To not get lost, because that is when you take someone through that change, it is an opportunity to potentially lose them too mm-hmm. if yeah, that's not yeah. well managed yeah
0: so um, when when you switch between those kind of positions right mm-hmm. so when you're doing that kind of uh, shift as you, as you call it so um, do they also go through the same onboarding process that a new hire would or is that is that specifically made for that kind of shift
1: well there's definitely going to be things that are are the same um things that are more focused on the role getting to know your new team especially if it's not a team that you had a whole lot of contact with uh previously um you know um uh, understanding what the expectations because Certainly, I mean, the larger an organization gets, oftentimes the bigger the differences can be between departments, teams, business yeah, units, sure. wherever that move is happening. Um, what you probably don't need to spend as much time focusing on, though, is the company, larger company <laughs> stuff. What is our mission? What is our vision? What are yeah. our values? Um, but understanding how that relates to your new role. Mm. So you may have had a very clear picture in in your previous role as to h- how that role was uh, uh, connected to driving the company's mission. Um, and maybe for whatever reason in that new role, it's not as clear. So it's not that these aren't things that need to be involved, even in in a transition type scenario. It's just that, um, yeah, there's sort of a, a sort of basic background yeah, company sure. history stuff that, yeah, you, already know. you should already yeah. know it. <laughs> yeah,
0: otherwise yeah. you wouldn't the attention.
1: Or they didn't onboard you well the first time.
0: Yeah, that's also a thing. Yeah. So it
1: could be, be, I mean, it is also an opportunity potentially to check in, especially yeah. if as an Does organization, your onboarding yeah. was maybe in a less mature phase when, you know, someone came yeah, on and you've made great strides to making that mature, more strategic um, part of your, your your company culture, then yeah, then maybe it could be worth checking in and just making sure. Yeah, uh, yeah
0: I, I could see that happening when you are, for example, working at, the, when you're starting at a company that has like a kind of hyper growth, as you can call it, right? Where mm-hmm. you go from like, five employees to 100 in like uh, a year or two years right uh, there there it's like uh, totally different right because when you're with five you're, you know everyone exactly. if, if you're with 100 <laughs> it's a little bit harder to to keep in mind everyone that's that's working there yeah, yeah. so um, when you look at the kind of um, uh, onboarding process so onboarding process can be different between roles right so Mm -hmm. say for instance i am a manager or i want to start as a manager and uh, someone else is starting as just an engineer or whatever Mm -hmm. so uh, how do you uh how do you facilitate that in your product in that sense so do you have like a different onboarding cycles or how does that go
1: so um again part of that is allowing um uh, companies to build different journeys based on, let's say, different groups, mm. different. Um, so again, yeah, uh, obviously a, a recent graduate hire is very different from a mid-senior yeah. or an executive hire. And the kind of information, the kind of experience that they need um, is, can vary a lot. Um, so our product specifically allows you to build these different groups within your organization. That is obviously specific to every organization, um, but you have an, a, a, an ability to say, okay, this is uh, the information and the content and and the experience that we would like to give to Group A, Group B, and Group C, and you can build that out. Some of the some of the things um, uh, in the process may be shared by all, so there may be stuff that's sort of generic enough or or you know shared by the whole company, um, but then it allows you to filter and say, you know, uh, uh, this content is only for senior managers because Mm. it's related to, uh, I don't know, a benefits package that you have to be over salary grade whatever (laughs) for it to be applicable or you know I mean but also just things that like it can be uh, location based so Europe is a great example multinationals are dealing with employment uh, uh, law that is varies a lot from country to country so even if you want to just have information about you know uh, uh, what are the benefits that as a company we offer and maternity or paternity leave Mm. you know um, uh, obviously how you answer that to a French employee is probably different to a German employee, to a UK employee, For to sure. you know. So, so it's different
0: laws, the different everything. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So, whether or not you're, if your if your company has differences, or just things that are very practical you know the information of of helping employee know where they could park their car depends on what office location they work at Um, or if they work in something like retail which store location is Mm. there even parking available you know those kinds of things so so we have a a filter system that allows all of that to get individualized into specific uh, groups
0: yeah because in a different country the communication can be different as well in that sense where you have like a different message to a new employees in yeah. maybe I don't know if in Spain or in in the Netherlands it's it, I I think it's a little bit different it's, yeah. it's not a huge change but yeah. so uh, what what's interesting to me or at least what I, what I was thinking about is that uh, say for instance when I look at our own company if I'm uh, going to hire someone I know what they're about to do right so you know the role and stuff like that mm-hmm. but actually defining that onboarding process and what kind of steps they need to take I would be lost for words to be honest. <laughs> in in most cases, because I would I would be like, okay, what does someone actually go through uh, in in steps but in but while the onboarding process is is going on? So is that something that you kind of help those companies with as well, where you say, okay, those. Uh, these are kind of the steps that we see at like uh, different companies or whatever. How how does that work?
1: Yeah, um, we definitely help because what companies usually have is uh, um, they have some kind of large companies will already have some kind of onboarding process. But maybe it's changes from location to location, each manager does it differently. Um, And we do find that there are certain things that it makes it just makes common sense almost, um, and then when you look at data, you go, "Oh yeah, actually, it backs it up." So mm. common sense is actually right. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, it makes sense to ask an employee how their recruitment experience was when they have just finished the recruitment experience mm. and not ask them when they've been on the job for two months yeah they don't know when you know then. so so uh, there are certain things that um you know our platform has feedback mechanisms built into it it has learning mechanisms built into it it has um uh content it has interactive uh, we have a chat bot so that uh new uh, new employees can actually ask questions oh, okay. and get immediate feedback which can be one because they're not sure who to ask or two oftentimes there's some questions that people actually feel uncomfortable about asking another human about Yeah, they feel like maybe the other the person that they ask the question will get the wrong impression about them yeah like they're uh, when do i get paid yeah yeah you that, know? That, that,
0: that's <laughs> like, like a it's an uncomfortable question. It's not It's not a real weird question to ask, mm. but it's uncomfortable. It's cases. not a weird question yeah. at all, because yeah. that's
1: the kind of thing when we say, when we look at um, uh, um, uh, all of the information that comes into our chatbot and it analyzes, you know, what are the most frequently asked questions, you'd be surprised how many times people just want to know what day of the month is payday. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. know, but heaven forbid you actually, like, ask your colleague or a boss, you know, in your first week, you know, uh, that could be super uncomfortable, but it could be a very important thing. And it could be something that creates anxiety for that person. And Mm. if someone is going through a a situation of anxiety, then you can't expect them to be performing well uh, on their job and definitely not compounded with all the rest going on when you start.
0: And the interesting thing is that that chatbot is actually going to give you a lot of insight in that sense. Well, yeah, w- yeah. W- a lot of kind of questions that come up that you maybe didn't think about in the onboarding process. So how do you help uh, clients learn from that? So learn from those questions that are asked in that chatbot?
1: yeah, well, all of all of that data is being collected. So every time uh, um, uh, an onboardee, um, interacts with the chatbot um, in many different ways. It can be the questions that they ask, but it can also be the questions that they don't ask, or the fact that they didn't use the chatbot and that they went to something else. So there's all sorts of data that's being collected um, um, in that interaction, um, and um, we take we have the opportunity to say, you know, to organizations, look, um, obviously all of this is anonymized. Yeah, <laughs> GDPR yeah, yeah, yeah. has, has 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 very much uh, changed the scope. Of 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 what data means um, uh, for all tech companies in, in, but we're looking at, you know, we know that, uh, we can say, we know that the most common question asked a week before someone starts is around this topic. Mm. So why don't you build more comprehensive information around this topic and be proactive 10 days before, You know, what know, do that, I start? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, what does that mean? If if everyone, you know, three days before they show up is basically asking, oh, you know, what am I supposed to wear to work? Mm. Then why don't a week before you actually, so, so that you, you allow yourself as an organization to almost predict... At least the experience for that that new hire is that oh you know they've got me covered they've got my back mm. they care about me they know already before I ask the question what I need and and that can be a very powerful experience um, you create a bond with something that actually requires very little human time investment that's often the biggest challenge that hr and hiring managers face is that bringing someone new into organization is actually a very um uh time heavy process i mean done properly it requires a lot of time investment from the team from the hiring manager from hr from the whole organization to get someone up and running so if you can Pull out all of these things that, of course, a human can do, but you can have software and and uh, artificial intelligence and other tools that allow you to automate it more. Yeah, and uh, that allows you to say, okay, now all of that time that we were investing in manually helping them with ans- just answer questions that you know are standard questions, um, and can be automated, we can now help them with the things that. A computer can't do. Yeah. Because yeah. there will always be things that computers are yeah, not Yeah, for good sure. At. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's more more in the emotional kind of sense, right? So yeah. uh, when you talk to someone, it's a different experience than you're just clicking on a, on a computer or on a screen. In that or a sense. manager helping yeah. someone
1: set up their actual what are their objectives? What are mm. the objectives for your first 30 days, 60 days, and 90 days on the job? Um, those kinds of things are huge motivators for employees. Yeah. Understanding whether or not someone uh, is successful. At, do I have the those early wins is a big indicator of how engaged and how well you're gonna retain that employee in their first year or first three years, which are often seen as, as milestones. But it also helps the organization bring that person up to productive faster Hmm. um which fundamentally in the end of the day if we want to look at the numbers that are underneath all of this is is a a big financial impact potentially for an organization
0: so what i was thinking about when you um uh, for example i i think leaders are very important in all kinds of organizations right so um what kind of role do they play in this kind of onboarding process as well because if you're uh, letting it uh, say, for instance, you go through that onboarding process uh, through uh, Tomundo. Uh, what's kind of the role for a manager there? So, uh, a leader in in a company. Uh, how do they? Uh, how do they have to support this process?
1: Yeah. So managers are obviously super important. Mm. And oftentimes the issue is, is that some managers are really good at onboarding employees. Yeah. Some managers are not as good at onboarding employees. I know not one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we've all had that yeah. experience. We think back, Yeah, it's like, you know. oh yeah, just take your
0: laptop and go sit there. <laughs> yeah, go figure it out yourself.
1: I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> you know, um, or, you know, even, you, even sometimes here, horror stories about like the manager wasn't there you show up for your first day at work and actually your manager's not there and no one in your team even knew you were going to show up that day that's hard and then you're left you know i mean those obviously that's taking it to an extreme but
0: it happens it it happens more than you think of course
1: it does but the idea is that our software allows hr as a function to um, uh, give managers better tools. So they have more structure around it. They understand what's expected of them. Um, because you can, you cannot just, um, uh, provide information to that new hire that you've made, but that, that manager is also going to get, you know, a ping saying, yeah. you've got a new hire starting in a week. Here are a bunch of things that you should probably be thinking about or doing if you haven't already. Yeah, yeah, You know, so it's just an opportunity to make sure that 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 experience is as consistent as possible across an organization so that you don't end up losing talent because of a bad manager, which is... It's a first impression. Ninety percent of the reason, or something. I can't remember what the exact. uh, A lot uh, of people quit their job
0: because of their leader in that in that sense. Oh, most people do. Yeah, Yeah. people
1: leave organizations because of people. Yeah, usually. Usually. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, That's interesting because that that's um, that's the thing where software can help you a bit, but also uh, where the 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 people skills shouldn't be underrated in that sense because uh, when you're uh, I know from experience from moving through that kind of process to to become a team leader or whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, sometimes I also still have the, the feeling like, okay, it's a little bit, I know what someone needs to do, right? Mm. I know, I really know what they want, what they need to do, but I'm still in the kind of process of like, okay, how do I get them to that point where I want to have them where they can actually start, right? Where they can actually yeah. uh, bring the contribution that I hired them for. In of that course. Sense. Yeah. <laughs> So um what what's also interesting to me is that you went from the kind of head of marketing to head of innovation and data. Mm-hmm. Uh how was that transition like for you?
1: Yeah, so it's um, it might seem like a surprising jump yeah. uh, to a lot of people. Um I, I've fundamentally moved from being a, a, a marketing professional to moving into our product and engineering team. Mm. Um, so I think that's important uh, to understand that innovation and data at Telmundo sits in, in under product and engineering. Makes sense, um, yeah. There's a couple of reasons why, certainly to me, it made sense. Um, I, I'm very lucky, um, I, it's almost five years now with Telmundo and I'm very lucky to sort of grown up. I think I was employee number nine. Oh, okay. Um, so very early Higher, um, uh, one of the few people still around from that generation. <laughs> yeah, but not, that's not well. that's not weird. Yeah. But yeah, indeed. Um, but the 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 exciting thing is is that when um, certainly in the early days um, when we were a very small team, um, we you know, everyone wears a lot of hats. Yeah. So yes, I was head of marketing, but there were a lot of times when our, um, uh, head of, um, uh, product would also pull me in and he'd go, look, I know that you have previous product experience, especially, you know, so what do you think about this? Yeah. You know, give me your ideas. Oh, could you spend some time thinking about, you know, how would you change this product feature if you, so again, I mean, we were very much a startup, small team. You just sort of roll up your sleeves and you do whatever. Yeah. Um, obviously, as we grew as an organization, you know, marketing became more of a (laughs) truly full-time job in the sense that I really needed to be focusing on building the marketing team, building our brand, putting all of uh, of that into place. Um, But after having done that for, you know, uh, uh, three and a half, four years, that was in a good place. Talmundo, we we, we really, uh, I'm very proud to say that I think we achieved building a very solid brand. Mm. Um, it's something that I think is reflected in the uh, client list that we have. The fact that a startup um, uh, with onboarding software in 2014 was able to knock on KPMG, Deloitte, all of these big mm. names, really big their names, doors, yeah. you know, BNP Paribas, you know, banks, management consulting, supermarkets, big real-time chains, airlines, you know, all these kinds of things. And they would say, you know what, we really like what you're doing. We want to be part of this journey with Mm. you. And they gave us that trust. And the fact that we were able to build on that and build a brand on that um, was really exciting. But I had gotten to the point where I really felt like I'm not saying that the job was done. That no, I could no. just like take off the hat and say thank you very much. It's never done. But that it was in a really good place. Um, and that there was a lot that I had learned in building that customer journey, building that that was very directly relatable to the employee journey. Mm. And fundamentally, what our product, since it's it is very experience-driven, is about building that journey for new employees with their new employer, helping mm. that happen in a more effective and more meaningful way. Um, so, I said, "Hey, we've decided as a as a as a strategic uh, point um, last year that." we were sitting on this treasure trove of data. We had been collecting onboarding data for about five years now, which is not something that really any other Onboarding startup because there's a lot of software startups that have started in this space over the last two or three years. Yeah, but sure. what's the big difference is that they don't have five years worth of historical data. They that's yeah, a goldmine, that's and that's yeah. a big difference. Yeah. So we said, you know what? We are now at a place where we have collected enough data. We need to do something with this. All of this is something that we can turn around and we can make them into actionable insights. There's there is a, a data-proven best practices that we can pull out of this. But there was no one in the organization, clearly, who was going to own this. It didn't sort of fit in any of the existing roles. Yeah. So to have the opportunity to turn around and say to my boss, say to Stein, our CEO, and say, you know what, I would like to have the opportunity to take this. Take Mm. this as a project. What does being a data-driven onboarding software company mean? What does that mean for our product? What does it mean for the way that uh, uh, um, we can better help our clients? Um, And how does that translate either into new features or just things that we can bring them through our amazing customer success team? So there's a lot of relationship building and we really do partner with these companies happens as well. So certainly there are things that we can bring them um, while we continue to innovate with the product. Um, um, And and the data will tell us some of that. And it's also just taking having someone who's really a nexus of all of the stakeholders involved, whether they are customers, whether they are our own employees, whether they are what's out in the market, what our competitors are doing. (laughs) I mean, all of it out there. And just having someone saying... I'm going to take a look at this. This is going to actually be what I own, and then how does this translate into Talmundo um, uh, and our product and what we can offer our customers?
0: So, um, what what are some of the learnings that you got from the from this kind of the, this? a huge pool of data that you had over five years. So what are some of the interesting things that you've already seen in that that period?
1: The timing is very important. Mm. Um, I think that one of the biggest things that you see is that when the timing is off, it doesn't matter how good your content is, its impact will be severely uh, uh, diminished. Mm. So, so timing is is critical. Understanding um, what people need when. Um, so it is is so it's it's and also the other piece there is too much at once is not is is but that's something I think we all know. Even yeah, yeah, we're, we're used sure. to it. There's the information overload, but the data backs it up. Um, that if you ask someone to do 10 things they're more likely to do zero because they just go oh my god that's so overwhelming <laughs> then if on you know uh, uh, one day then if every single day for 10 days you ask them to do one thing
0: mm. yeah that makes sense maybe
1: they don't do all well, 10 but you'll probably get six or seven yeah, of them done a few of them you yeah. know so so we we can see the the data allows us to sort of see what is the best way to interact with people. And then the other thing is that there's the data that we collect passively, that you can see from the behavior, the way that different, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, all that aggregate sort of statistics. But then we also, the product has direct data feedback built into it. When you ask someone for their opinion, when you give them a feedback survey, that's data too. Yeah, for sure. Um, It's direct data. And there's the ability to look at that on an individual level. So if someone has something to say and... And it raises a red flag. You know, this person seems to be a flight risk because of a way that they answered. Mm. They have an opportunity for HR or the hiring manager to potentially step in and say hey what's going on let's have a conversation
0: somebody is not feeling well because of an answer yeah
1: you know uh, but then you also have the ability on that higher level to say how is my organization doing and how is it doing over time so you have the ability um to to say if there was some major change on an organizational level and all and certain metrics that you're measuring in your onboarding process change significantly Mm for the better or for worse, you know, is there a direct relation? Is there something that we can learn from that? And there are things that when you do it over and over and over again with more and more organizations, you say pretty consistently, yeah. This works. (laughs) (laughs) This works. And that's where, where we turn around and we say, okay, one thing is to say we have best practices because everyone kind of their gut feeling says that this is good. But another thing is to be able to say, yeah, but actually we have you know uh, tens of thousands of onboardees that that aggregate data confirms that yeah, point or right. doesn't because sometimes data surprises you Yeah, yeah and what your gut says you know oh we should be doing one thing yeah, in the end. <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: it's different. And I was wondering, do you, do you also do like kind of A-B tests in that sense where you look at like, okay, uh, this is maybe the same group of uh, roles that, that we have, but we're going to give one group this kind of onboarding and this other one this kind of onboarding and see the differences?
1: We have had, um, let's say A-B testing, some of our customers have... Put um, pilot programs through. So yeah. fundamentally, that's a form of A/B testing. Sure. It's not necessarily that they build the software differently in two different ways, but they will often say, um, "Look, we want to make sure that we can confirm the business case yeah. around this. So we're going to put, uh, we're going to pilot the software, and we're going to run it in locations one, two, and three, but not in four and five.
0: Mm. Yeah. And
1: same. then let's see what some of those HR KPIs that we're looking at how do they differ between those two cohorts? Mm. And uh, yeah. (laughs) That's an interesting way to do it as well. Yeah, wouldn't want to be in group four or five.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of of like a canary release where where they have that as well, where they uh, do like a small group or at least one location or whatever. So um, uh, I have two more questions. So uh, one of the last questions is, uh, where do you see this kind of future for uh, HR and onboarding? So where do you see it moving towards?
1: Yeah. So the most exciting thing that's been coming up is the whole field of AI, machine learning, um, uh, um, deep data, all of all of that kind of area. Because that's and that's where we've, as a company, our focus is really shifting towards um, um, looking at. You know, not only can you have software help you uh, uh, with certain kinds of tasks, but how far can you take that automation? How far can you say it's not even just about a human going in, setting up a system, which is very different than saying, okay, we are going to set up the system, but now we're going to allow it to actually learn on its own hmm. um, from specific data. That doesn't mean that you then just let it go off and you never come <laughs> back to it ever again. You still need to check it. Yeah, yeah. yeah sort of you consistently validating it over and over again. Does this still make sense? Otherwise, hmm. you can end up off on, on somewhere you didn't expect to be. Um, but I think that that's the really exciting space is um, the opportunity to automate more the things that computers are better at you know and and looking at the opportunity to say there are certain things where when you're dealing with massive data sets obviously a human is never going to be able to spot the trend (laughs) you know so being able to crunch these really complex algorithms where we say, look, we've got uh, different, uh, you take one KPI like employee engagement that you hear talked about all the time. And you say, how do you calculate that? How do we determine? But what if we were able to say, um, instead of giving you 12 different data points, discrete data points about employee engagement, what if we take the time to look at all of them? You build out some kind of weighted algorithm in which you say, say, actually, we're just going to give you your score. Mm. You got an 82. You got a 93. You got a 64. Because that's something that in the human context, everyone, you know, anyone who's gone to school knows, you know, on a hundred point scale, (laughs) what what any of those numbers mean, you know. uh, um, But that is often more meaningful to say, you got a score of 82. And here are some things that you can do to change that, to improve that. And so all of those data points that went into that score are reflected in the actionable insights Mm. on how to change. But at the end of the day, it's not a guessing game anymore because the more data you can, you can also turn around and you can say, look, you know, we can see that consistently companies that do action x have Mm. a on average 15 percent increase in this particular kpi so that makes more sense to do than this other one that maybe only gives you a one percent increase so you have the ability to be prescriptive in that sense and say it's all well and good to go chasing after the little things that make a tiny bit of impact and sometimes they need attention too but if you were looking at lots and lots of data points, oftentimes we get distracted by them and it can be hard to see the ones that are more yeah. complex, but that fundamentally would have a much larger impact on the organization. Mm. Um, and, and that's exciting. That's exciting being able to take all of this and finding ways to actually say, you know, this isn't just my gut yeah saying we should do something in this space or what did someone else do because what works in organization a will often not work in organization b
0: yeah it's Um, a different culture different people working and uh, the interesting thing is there that um when i when i think about it it, there's nothing worse than someone someone that says i feel like this is not working right yeah Uh, instead of just saying okay let's Let's look at what it says, right? The data says that it is working, yeah, uh, so there must be something that that I, I don't know where that feeling comes from, but it, it, the data shows that it isn't like that right yeah that, that's the thing, so my last question to wrap sure. up uh so since starting on this journey, mm-hmm. uh what are you most proud of since you started?
1: Well, certainly, since I've started with Talmundo, yeah. um the team that we've built um overall i mean it's it's uh and we've great, built a uh, a great product out of a great team um so it's uh it's really exciting to see you know uh, how that changes and how we go through different different iterations as we keep growing as a company um but yeah being being part of that journey and, and and from a very early stage and being able to say that, that in many ways I can see little pieces of, of you know, uh, what I've done throughout the organization and watching people take a little kernel of an idea that you had and, you know, just take it off in, in a direction that, you know, I wouldn't have thought of, but your mind gets blown and you go yeah. wow that's amazing you yeah. know and and that that you get from you know having really great people and working with really great people so very cool yeah
0: well, how can uh, people find Tolmundo on the internet
1: oh it's really easy talmundo.com <laughs> <laughs> if you're interested in
0: the onboarding just uh, visit uh, talmundo.com in that sense uh, thank you again Christina for being my guest it was a very very good uh, conversation about all these kinds of things uh, and of course for the listeners you can find the Bits vs Byte podcast on Bitsvsbytes.com, and also on uh, all major podcasting platforms and Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn it's all BitsvsBytes, and uh, I have a newsletter now where uh, I talk about these kind of things Uh, it's bi-weekly every Friday uh, and then uh, you get like five things about uh, leadership tech and uh, business and it can be found on bitsvsbytescom slash newsletter and I'd like to thank you for listening and until next time